0: hello everybody and welcome back to witch fix as i said in my last movie review for the wicker tree i've now finally done my homework i've at least seen the wicker man and its spiritual successor and now i am all prepared to watch midsummer which i refuse to call midsummer like many people i've seen videos doing this on youtube i'm just like but why it's midsummer but there we go and now i managed to keep mostly spoiler free for this which is pretty intense considering it came out last year uh, and we're sort of midway through 2020 now and boy have we felt every minute of that so basically all i know about the film is that it involves going to a place where it's day all the time and also that it ends with a sad bird covered in flowers so um, with with that i went into this not really knowing much except that a, a good friend of mine you may remember called vander uh, had said that it was a good film and uh, vander was as usual correct so uh, we're just going to jump in i will announce when it's going to get spoilery so if you just want to hear some broad strokes overview points before you go and watch the film go right ahead and listen up until i announce spoilers i'm going to say that there are trigger warnings for this film in spades uh, but the key ones that i picked out are for suicide emotional abuse mental illness gore sexual assault and depression so any of those things are going to be triggering for you I would advise you to give this film a hard pass and uh, to listen to the actual descriptive part of the episode with care because I'm going to be talking about those uh, issues as well. So broad impressions I really enjoyed the film I felt that it was very well paced there's a huge amount of rich detail built into it uh, that I think you'll have to watch it at least twice maybe three or four times to really get Everything that's going on underneath the surface and it's basically what you would get if you took the Wicker Man and then remade it but without Nicolas Cage but added about seven other layers of stuff going on aside from the the religious aspect it's a lot more complex, there's a lot more depth to it and I think mostly that's because it now features more main characters and it's been updated to a more modern setting with more modern concerns. So just as life has become more complicated so have the themes they have had to branch out become a little bit more complicated. I will say that I did find it not scary because I feel like scary implies that you are afraid and I wasn't afraid but it was disturbing in parts which is honestly my preferred kind of horror I feel that disturbing stuff tends to stay with you a lot more than uh, oh, a cat jumped out of a box so it gets sort of my creep award for that because it is quite uh, unsettling and disturbing and there are some scenes in it which will genuinely never leave the other side of my eyeballs like they're imprinted in there now On the flip side of that, it's also a very beautiful film. It's just lovely to look at uh, and very rich uh, and in-depth, the kind of setting that they've created for it. You can see no expense was spared there. Also, the effects are phenomenal uh, and all the actors do an incredible job. So uh, if you have held off on seeing it because you didn't really understand the hype or you just sort of weren't really that interested, if you like disturbing horror, if you like folk horror, if you like thinking horror, a horror that centers on sort of more feminist issues, then you are definitely going to like this film and, and you should go and watch it. And now we're going to get into spoiler territory as I go through the plot and talk a little bit about how I interpreted what was happening. Uh, so if your interpretation differs that's completely fine and mind, but basically this is just gonna be what I took from the film So we start off seeing a tapestry, which I actually managed to pause on because I'm quick on that pause button these days I've had a lot of practice and it does seem to show Events which are going to transpire, but it's obviously very hard to remember those when you're getting into it But broadly the tapestry is split between night and day and then we then go into a nighttime forest there's a lot of snow everything is very dark there's no electric lights or buildings around everything seems dead and quiet and then there's abrupt change as a phone rings and we see that we're now in a modern setting with like electric lights we're then introduced to our main character danny who is leaving a voicemail with her parents who are asleep uh saying that she's had a weird email from her sister who's called terry uh, and that she knows that Terry and her parents have been fighting about something but that she's really worried because she can't get a response from her. She then goes and reads the email which is incredibly short and it said everything's black, uh, I'm going, mum and dad are coming too, something like that, which instantly kind of reminded me of of the night that we come into and obviously if we're talking perpetual daytime being the setting of the film, perpetual night must at sometimes also occur because that's how balance works so again that kind of made me think okay so like perpetual nighttime is going to be more allegorical for like depression and grief and all the negative emotions because it feels like that's the place where her sister is at the moment danny then calls her boyfriend christian a strong contender for worst man ever and uh, we'll see a bit more about that because i did try and cut him some slack but i'm not exaggerating when i say every time he opens his mouth he becomes a more unlikable character. Now, Christian is Danny's boyfriend of four years, uh, which we don't find out until later how long they've been together, but he's currently out with his friends, Mark, Josh and Pell uh, in a bar and she finds him because she's trying to get hold of her sister and can't. Uh, She wants him to come over and he's all like, oh, I don't know that we actually have plans for me to come over, even though she is clearly upset. Uh, Christian then says that she's enabling her sister and that this wouldn't keep happening if Danny didn't keep like indulging Terry when she had these moods which feels really harsh and not very understanding because obviously she's upset and maybe you can have this conversation when she isn't but he seems quite emotionally distant and then they ring off the phone Danny then calls a friend who we never meet and they talk about uh, her being emotionally Fragile right now, and how she's afraid to lean too much on Christian because she feels like she's being a burden and that he's going to break up with her. We then cut to Christian talking to his friends, and they basically want him to break up with Danny and say that he's wanted to break up with her for a year and various other things, like that she hates sex and is no fun and various other things. Danny's call to her friend is interrupted by a call from an unknown number, and then we're basically thrown back to Christian and his delightful friends. Uh, I, I don't really have strong feelings at this point about Josh or Pell but Mark seems like a douche and uh, I hope he gets what's coming to him. Uh, Josh raises the point that he thinks Christian is indulging in this relationship drama, this will they, won't they, should I break up with my girlfriend thing because he's still not working on his thesis for his PhD and he's just using this as a deflection tactic which Christian gets annoyed about and then Danny calls him screaming inarticulately And then we get cut to her parents house where her sister has unfortunately gone to kill her parents and then herself so obviously things have kicked off big time and uh, now is not going to be a great time for them to break up or really have any kind of serious relationship conversations because tragedy christian goes to danny and she's obviously in what i would describe as agonizing emotional pain All he can do is like hold on to her and then stare off into the middle distance like he's not really there so he's not doing a great job. We then get a quick transition to what I think is summer and Danny seems still to be deeply depressed. She's like lying in bed like in the middle of the day not sleeping and Christian pops his head around the door to say I'm just going to go to this party for like 45 minutes and so she's like oh well i should i should go out too so she gets ready and they go together at the party the guys start talking about their upcoming trip which they mentioned before uh, in like the earlier scenes but they're going to pells like family home like where he grew up for this special holiday there's meant to be like a festival happening and josh wants to go for his thesis and then it emerges that christian has not told danny that he's going even though the trip is in two weeks and he was planning it in winter before her parents died and he says at the party oh well he's probably not going to go now but when they get home he says he decided to go that day and she points out that he already has a ticket so that's obviously not true and then he says oh i'm sorry like it's a question basically he argues with her until she ends up apologizing with him so it's really emotionally manipulative what he's doing the next day christian tells the guys that he has invited danny but that she isn't going to come because she's too sad so he's like it's not a big deal she's she's not gonna actually come with us she then comes into the room and asks if it's okay if she does go and the guys all say she's completely welcome so they have no one to blame but themselves when she decides to come with them pel is very passive in these situations he doesn't seem to be getting involved but he does talk to Danny a little bit about the uh, festival that's coming up and he says that there's going to be a special ceremony um, where everyone like gets together and crowns the May Queen so that's deeply concerning based on you know the Wicker Man franchise. It's also revealed during this exchange that it's going to be her birthday while she's on the trip so not only is Christian like abandoning her on a trip that he hasn't told her about, but he was also just going to leave her alone on her birthday when her entire family recently died. We then cut to the the flight and like general journey to this place. Uh, we get a little bit more characterization of Mark in that he's just kind of a horny fuckbend. Danny's still doing a lot of crying. It's pretty clear that she's still very emotional and very fragile. They drive out to the commune, which is basically in the middle of nowhere. They meet another group of young people who are also returning from trips to the outside, like Pell. So it kind of seems like they've been on like rumspringer and have rumspringed a bunch of people back with them, probably to murder. We are introduced to his brother. He refers to everyone else like his brothers and sisters. So it's pretty clear this whole commune is family, uh, even if they're not like blood relations. We're introduced to Simon and Connie from London, and they are his brother's guests there, so they'll probably die. They then all take magic mushrooms and there's a really tense moment where Danny's like, I don't really feel like taking hallucinogens right now. And so Christian's like, oh well I'm not taking mine if you're not taking yours. And then Mark kicks off like a dumbass, so then everyone ends up taking mushrooms because Danny doesn't seem to be able to stand up for herself, she just kind of caves and avoids confrontation. Everybody trips for a bit and then they go off through the woods to reach the actual commune itself, which seems to be only about five buildings in a massive field. Uh, It's all very idyllic and magical. Everyone's wearing like white muslin dresses and there's like flowers everywhere. And it's basically one maypole and one unicorn away from being paradise. So that's deeply concerning. Uh, They also meet more of like Pell's family, including Father Odd, who seems to be like a guy who's in charge. Uh, opposite Siv who is a lady who's in charge so I guess they're sort of in terms of like high priest high priestess of this what I'm gonna say is a cult. Uh, They say that today is a festival but then the the actual rites and rituals and ceremonies will begin the following day so there's always something to look forward to and it's revealed that it's been 90 years since the last great feast so I guess because Pell's sister was crowned as the last May Queen which he talked about uh, when he was revealing that there is a May Queen then the May Queen thing must happen every year but I'm guessing that something else is going to happen that's like more special because of you know it's 90 years and that the feast will then continue for nine days we see a red-haired girl uh she's noticing the group and kind of looking at them she's very later on in the movie revealed to be called Maya so that's what I'm going to call her The kids are playing some weird game or like spiral dance type thing, which is revealed to be called Skin the Fool, which sounds ominous because we remember in the original Wicker Man that he was called the fool and then they set him on fire in a big man made of sticks. Pell then gives Danny a picture of her that he's drawn for her birthday. He says he does it for everyone on their birthday and it's a picture of her wearing a flower crown it's quite nice. Gives this to her and then seems sad when she says that Christian has forgotten her birthday because he is a prince among men and then he appears to mention this to Christian later on. Danny takes the blame on herself because she says she should have reminded Christian that it was her birthday. After four years... Really? It is apparently also only two weeks till Christian and Danny's four-year anniversary, which he has also forgotten, which is mentioned in conversation. So not only was she going to be alone and familyless on her birthday, but also on their anniversary. Connie and Simon seem to be there just to be irritatingly a couple and to sort of show off the distance between Christian and Danny. They're introduced to a weirdly ominous building in the distance which is basically just a bright yellow pyramid made of wood and that people aren't actually allowed to go in because it's sacred so either someone's going to trespass on that or there's going to be something horrible in there that we only find out at the end of the movie. They also see a bear in a cage which goes largely unremarked upon. There's also a tapestry which uh, they kind of walk past and it has on it the process of someone making a like some kind of love potion out of pee and pubes and feeding it to someone so that they fall in love so someone's getting piss pied at the end of this they're told that everyone sleeps in the sleeping house where they will be staying if they are under 36 and above 18 because that's how life is like divided into stages and they say that the last life stage which is winter is from 54 to 72 and ask What happens after 72? To which Pell draws like a line across his neck, like he's slitting his throat, which they take as a joke, but it's probably not going to be a joke, is it? This is when Pell seems to mention the birthday thing to Christian because he then decides to present Danny with a small piece of very dry looking cake with a tiny candle in the top, and he like tries to light the candle a bunch of times but can't, which is either symbolic of the fact that they have very little of a flame between them or just is like showing his emotions being very small and not very developed or strong because hers seem to be like raging at one end of the spectrum and his seem to be very um non-existent the walls of the sleeping house appear to be covered in like they look kind of like really detailed children's drawings uh which are meant to be like drawn scripture and to be honest they look like they're also predicting events that are to come but i couldn't get a close enough look at them the next day is the first ceremony and boy do they start with a bang Uh, there's two people in blue robes who both appear to be old so they're probably in the passing 72 bracket who they appear at breakfast and Josh asks Pell if these are the ones so clearly he knows something about this festival or what's happening which is no surprise as it's the topic of the thesis after breakfast and like a big toast has been done the two uh, selected old people get onto carrying chairs and are carried away and then everyone goes to assemble at the bottom of a blindingly white cliff one of them toting a very large wooden mallet which is deeply disturbing and when I say large wooden mallet I don't mean slightly excessive for bashing tent pegs in I mean could comfortably be cast as a final fantasy weapon. if the sort of high priestess lady is reading from a very special book. Josh asks Pell about this and if he would be allowed to read it but is told that he wouldn't be able to so I'm guessing it's in like runes because they're big on runes here or like a foreign language or something so i guess this is just laying more groundwork for josh being very pokey into other people's business and wanting to know about everything and asking questions at some really odd times obviously someone's going off this cliff otherwise why would it be there uh, so we see the two people in blue cut their palms and smear their blood on a rune stone And then the old woman approaches the edge of the cliff, looking down and seems to make direct eye contact with Danny. Uh, So Danny starts freaking out and then the woman jumps off the cliff and smacks into the ground. We then get some sort of like deadened sound type thing. Like there's just been an explosion. So like, I guess Danny is now in shock and you can hear Simon and Connie really freaking out. Uh, But Danny, out of all of the guests there, keeps looking at the cliff because obviously she's remembered that there are two people up there and not just one so the older guy jumps but he doesn't die when he hits the ground so uh, everyone of the assembled like cult members starts like screaming so i guess this is a bad omen and then they go over there like a little contingent of them to finish him off with the giant wooden hammer and we get like a lot of close-ups of his like smashed in face so be prepared for that if you decide to watch the film simon and connie decide to try and leave and are like shouting a lot and, and being Generally, like shocked and appalled when Siv basically tries to explain to them that this is part of their life cycle and that now someone else will give birth to a child and that child will be named after one of the dead people, so it's, it's like a cycle of nature. Danny is super upset and Christian asks her if she's okay, and at first I thought, oh my god, maybe this has changed him, maybe he's becoming decent. But then he follows that up with, you should go spend some time with yourself, and then runs off after Josh. So he's doing the minimum. He goes to see Josh, who's like typing up, I guess, what they've just seen for his thesis. He doesn't seem affected by it that much. He's being very clinical about it. Uh, Christian comes in and says he's going to do his thesis on the Horger, who like the people that have come to see. Which is what Josh is already doing his thesis on. And then he says oh well I'm open to collaborating as if like Josh I'm stealing your thesis topic but also can you do the work for me because I'm a lazy entitled white guy. Uh, So Josh is not having this uh, and rightfully so and he gets very annoyed. Josh then goes to talk to Pell about the problem about how it's unfair that Christine is stealing his ideas and his thesis and Pell says that the elders wouldn't want anything written down anyway even if like the names and stuff were changed but he agrees to go and ask them about it to see if they would maybe be lenient in this occasion. Meanwhile Danny packs to leave because I guess she's seen enough people jump off cliffs. Pell tries to soothe her and calm her down and he says that his family uh, died in a fire like his parents which will become important later and that he didn't feel loss as badly as she is now because he had another family the whole communist family and he wasn't left with bickering people who were worried about who owns what and he's just like beyond that he doesn't feel that anymore and then he takes hold of her hand and she's worried that christian will see but he says this is what i'm talking about it seems like Pell's maybe putting the move on moves on her we then smash cut to just the bodies being grilled, although thankfully they are not eaten but they are reduced to ash. Christian finally goes to check on Danny, but he decides to like take the high road and be morally superior by saying, Oh, it's a cultural thing, we should just keep an open mind. Uh, Danny has a dream that the guys are leaving her behind. So, I guess she's concerned about them abandoning her. We see uh, Maya, the redheaded girl, hiding a rune under Christian's bed. Josh also sees this and retrieves it to ask Pell about later. We see the ash from the two bodies being spread on an old, fallen, dead tree. And when uh, Josh asks about the rune, Pell says that it's a love rune um, used as part of a love spell. So, pretty certain that here Maya is setting her cap firmly at Christian. There is then utter uproar because Mark, for some unknown reason, re-enters the narrative to piss on the Ancestor Tree because I guess he didn't see people sprinkling ashes on it two seconds ago. He says it's no big deal and doesn't even apologize so obviously he's marked for death now. We see Connie running up to the sleeping house to like get her stuff because she wants to leave but she's told by Father Odd that her boyfriend Simon has already been taken to the train station because he was meant to be going to ask about borrowing a van, that the van can only hold one person at a time, and that once Simon has been dropped off, it will come back for her. So Simon's been murdered, and soon it will be Connie's turn. I'm just calling it. Danny hears this and takes her concerns to Christian, because she's obviously very worried about, one, the thinness of this lie, and two, worried for Connie's sake, because she does seem very empathetic. She seems to, like, feel Connie's pain and general confusion over this but he just says oh that sucks and then goes back to talking to some guy he's managed a buttonhole about um, whether there is a problem with like intermarrying in this small community and he's being reassured that there is no incest which is contradicted later on i would say danny goes looking for someone who isn't a piece of shit uh, and also for simon and she's reassured by some ladies that simon has been taken to the train station so she seems content with that and they get her to help make meat tarts. Uh, Josh gets a lesson from the special book and there are some pages that have had paint smeared on them. This happened in like an earlier fraction of a scene when we saw someone with facial deformities kind of putting paint on the pages and this is revealed to be Reuben who is uh, disabled and who is considered to be their oracle because he is in contact with like the higher beings and the spirits and his drawings are interpreted by elders, and that's how they make up what is in this special book. And Josh asks what will happen when Reuben dies, and they don't have an oracle anymore, but is reassured that they deliberately created Reuben through inbreeding, and they will do so again for another oracle. So that seems to go against what they told Christian a moment ago. So I'm guessing if they're telling Josh this, Josh is not long for this world because they seem to be telling him things and keeping the others in the dark. Uh, Danny then hears a woman screaming in the distance, which I guess is Connie, unclear. Uh she's still missing at dinner and they're told that she has also now gone to the train station. So no one decides to look for her. Christian just seems genuinely not bothered by this and Danny says he could do something like that to her because he could be like that thoughtless and then says that it's nothing so she quickly backs down from her attempted confrontation but the attempt was made everyone seems to be pissed off at mark because of you know the tree incident and christian finds a pubic hair in his pie so he been love spelled mark is then led away by a sexy young lady i'm sure we're never going to see him again uh, Josh seems unnerved for the first time and I'm not really clear on why but it might be because people are disappearing or because he what he's learned about Reuben. Maybe because of his like unease or because he knew he was going to do this he felt uneasy but Josh gets up in the middle of the night to go and look at the special book which he's been told not to do so uh, that's a bad idea. He goes to have a read of it and is surprised by Mark coming in behind him. Uh, It turns out that this is not Mark, it's someone wearing Mark's face and he then knocks Josh out. Um, What's interesting about this is obviously there was the game Skin the Fool and now you have Mark who has had his face cut off so I'm guessing he's the fool in this scenario. The next day it's announced that the book has gone missing, I presume it's a cover to suggest that Josh has run off with it so the others don't get suspicious. They needn't have bothered because Christian just does not give a shit and instantly disowns Josh and wants nothing to like do with him. If it's him that's taking the book, that's his issue and he's not involved in that. The elders then split Danny and Christian up so Danny goes off with the women and Christian goes off to see Siv in her house. Danny is given a, a very nice flower crown and given a special tea which is definitely hallucinogenic uh, to prepare her for the dance competition which is how the May Queen is chosen. Basically everyone has to dance and then whoever is left standing after they've been dancing for like long enough for everyone to fall down from exhaustion is crowned the Queen. In Siv's house Christian is sat in a chair for a bit and then Siv asks him about Maya and how he feels about her because he's been approved to mate with her and they are an ideal astrological match he seems bemused by this and then it immediately cuts to him exiting the hut so we have no idea if he agreed to to sleep with Maya or not he goes out into the field where Danny is still doing the fork in the garbage disposal with the rest of the maidens and girls start falling down and throwing up like it's the last level of the bleep test Maya drops out of the race and leaves Christian is given some special tea which he stupidly drinks even though he's been told by the person giving it to him that it's there to break down his defences and open him to influence which sounds like something they would say on day one of cult initiation if they were being really unsubtle. Uh, Danny is still dancing and randomly starts speaking Swedish but then the last girls fall down and she is left and so is crowned as the May Queen with an even bigger flower crown so it's really impressive. It's really odd though because while she's wearing it, the the flowers on it seem to be breathing, and like the faces of the people in the crowd are distorted. So she's clearly tripping pretty hard. And also, she sees her mom and dad in the crowd, which is always a sign that you've had too much specialty. They then carry her off on like a a big wooden dais uh, to a special meal. All the focus is on her, and Christian just kind of follows behind in like a trance from his specialty. And uh, they sit here at the table and they say that she's like a member of their family. They try and force feed her a whole herring, but they laugh when she spits it out. So I guess this is some sort of Norwegian cult prank. It's pretty obvious that Christian's having a bad trip because he does not look good. And then they decide that they're going to take Danny off in a coach tour of the farmland around so she can bless the land and their livestock for the coming year. Christian, meanwhile, is led by a handmaiden along a path of flowers so I'm guessing he agreed to sleep with Maya and that's where he's being taken he's put into the house where the book was formerly kept and they make him inhale some weird smoke because I guess he needs more drugs He's then put into a circle of naked chanting women to have sex with Maya and uh, they all start like mimicking the noises that him and Maya are making Which is disturbing in the extreme, so credit for who decided to put that in the movie. I was chilled. Uh, They stop the procession of Danny around the farmland, because I guess it's blessed now, and they want to take her to Siv's house, but she instead wants to know where Christian is, hears some noises from the house formerly known as the house where they kept the book, and goes to the door, looks through the keyhole, and obviously sees what Christian's up to. She goes outside to scream and be sick, which is just her response to all forms of anguish and conflict. And she's followed by, like, a gaggle of women. Like, it was very funny to me, this scene, because it was sort of like, this is what would happen in the mundane world. Like, she has seen her boyfriend cheating, and now her and all of her girlfriends are running to the bathroom at the club to, like, cry together and drink vodka. And that's basically what happens. They, they take her back to, like, the sleeping house. this group and when she starts to scream in anguish they all scream with her and like hold her hands and it's really kind of cathartic because right at the beginning you have christian just kind of checked out and holding her like while she just screams and he ignores her and now you've got all these people who are like engaging with her grief and they're like feeling it with her and helping her to like get it all out so I'm not, I'm not sure who to root for but definitely not Christian. Christian then finishes what he's doing with Maya and as soon as he does he like runs away from the house formerly known as where they kept the book. He tries to go to Siv's house but he sees it like Josh's leg planted in the garden like an offering or something which is very weird and instead does like a quick 180 and runs to a random barn. Inside the barn is Simon's body so you know that's not less disturbing but then he gets some dust blown into his face which paralyzes him and knocks him unconscious so i bet he's happy about that sidebar this scene also amused me because it is never not funny when a naked man runs it's just hilarious and every time it happens in a book like someone gets disturbed uh, when they're like trying to sleep with someone or when they're sleeping nude and they have to run away it's not dramatic it's just hilarious we've woken up in christian's point of view as he's like his eyes are like opened for him by a lady who says that he can't move or speak because you know still paralyzed we then get some context for this ritual from Siv, who says that today at this special feast they are surrendering nine human lives four will be new bloods i.e people brought in from the outside four will be people from the community and one will be chosen by the queen from a randomly selected member of the community and one of the new bloods that remains. So obviously Connie, Simon, Mark and Josh have all been used as the new blood sacrifices. Uh, Honours are also given to the people who brought the new bloods in and special honours go for Pell because he brought them the May Queen. And it is decided that the two other guys who brought people will also be sacrificed. So I guess they're two of the four people from the community who are getting killed today. We see Danny, and she is in the image that I had going into this film of a sad bird covered in flowers. It's literally just her head poking out of like a little volcano of flowers with a big flower hat on top. And it looks pretty nice and I bet it was comfy. But it also kind of looks like a Claritin advert. So that made me smile. The random villager is then picked courtesy of a rune bingo machine which why do they have this and not just a bucket but it, it it's picked and, and they bring that guy out to stand next to where christian is and then they say queen pick which one you want to die and then her and christian share this like really long look and you know he's fucked it's great it's wonderful we then see the bodies of All their dead friends being taken into the big yellow pyramid building. So, I guess this is the sinister secret it contains. Nothing until the bodies are put in there. Uh, We also see the bear, which went unremarked upon earlier, being gutted, and then they sew Christian inside. So, I guess she picked him. What a shock. He is then also put into the big yellow pyramid, along with the two still living guys who brought people to the ceremony and two other villagers who are dead and have had like branches and fruit stabbed into them so i guess they're something to do with the fertility of the land the pyramid is then set on fire while danny is outside with the villagers watching this and one of the guys inside um i think it's like one of the two live guys that they're sacrificing starts to scream and everyone outside starts to scream as well as like in harmony with them uh, danny starts to like freak out of it she stags around and throws up but then as the pyramid begins to burn completely we see her looking at it with a beautific smile on her face and then the movie ends so there's a lot to unpick in this movie i kind of liked the ending the ending weirdly for an ending that involved the deaths of so many people felt very positive especially for danny you know the one remaining live character it kind of feels like she's been through like a painful birthing process and now she's alive and well and seems to have gotten through the the darkness uh, of her grief and also her terrible relationship with the man formerly known as christian it feels like that what pell said to her about how he lost his parents but this place is his family everyone here is his family has come true for her like now she has a family that loves her and which feels things as as deeply uh, as she does i also thought that was interesting because he said that his parents died in a fire and i was kind of wondering if maybe he meant this specific fire or one like it like that they were also sacrificed and that he was then raised by the community because it doesn't seem like they're going to kill her it seems like she has been adopted in which i guess is you know how they get new bloodlines in into this place so that was quite interesting also the way that Pell draws a picture of her for her birthday he also draws another picture of her when she's the May Queen so it's sort of like this is her second birthday um, sort of further adding to that idea that she has been reborn and has kind of ended a cycle of badness uh, again with Christian And this is basically what I was talking about when I was talking about his tiny candle on the cake is that he has this tiny little candle and then at the end she has this giant bonfire and it's like, this is how much she feels and how emotional she is and he just cannot compare to that. He can't equal that with his own feelings which is kind of mean of him uh, to not break up with her if, if he's just not feeling it that way. I also find it really interesting that Christian is called Christian which did not go over my head, Uh, from the moment he is named as a character I was like ah something's going to happen here that's deep and meaningful and I've seen some people talking about it as like her accepting paganism and like buying into that faith and accepting it it is what leads to the death of of Christian uh, as in like of her Christian self or of Christianity as a concept which I don't think is wrong but my takeaway from it was that he kind of represents this like patriarchal power. He makes her feel bad for having emotions essentially for like being human and doesn't supply her with the emotional or any real kind of support system that she needs and he's also very distant to her in the same way that some might say that the christian god is is distant from people they can't get at him in in to a certain extent they can't experience uh, his love or he, or anything of him really so i thought that was kind of interesting as as a concept that she is on this journey to find this new faith this new family and experience it um by stepping away from this completely unrewarding on one-sided relationship Uh, which was definitely my feeling when I left Christianity so maybe that's why I'm reading into that but it just struck me as really interesting and that one name in the film you could probably have a really long discussion about all the various interpretations of that. There's also a kind of sense that she's gotten all of her power back or all of the power that she never had because it feels like at the beginning of the film she keeps running to Christian for everything, she finds him when she can't get hold of her parents or her sister because it's like she doesn't know what to do and she needs him to tell her and when he tells her oh it's probably nothing she lets it go and then her parents die so it's kind of like that is almost his fault because he made that decision for her and then she keeps like doing what he does if he's going to the party she's going to go to the party if he's going to this midsummer festival, she's going to go with him. It's th- kind of this unhealthy dynamic, and he seems to have it slightly on his side as well. Like when she doesn't take the mushrooms, he feels like he can't take them. They're kind of in this weird situation where neither one can do what they really want to do with the other one still there. They're not independent. Uh, but I feel like it's mostly on her side that she is being, that she has kind of given up part of her power and is just going along with what he wants. Whereas at the end, he is literally and figuratively helpless because, he, you know, he can't move, he can't run away, he can't get away. And she's the one who decides whether he lives or dies. One thing I did find interesting is I said that there was a lot of runes in uh, the film in itself, but I wrote down a couple of them. The ones you see on the rune stone, which gets smeared with blood before the first jumping off the cliff ritual, are the one that looks like an R uh raid and for one that looks like an arrow tear um so the first one is a symbol of travel uh, this is according to the runes by lisa Penchel. it says it's a symbol of travel usually for pleasure taken in the sense it will often show a safe or pleasant journey usually without mishaps and often with convivial traveling companions. Sometimes the journey can be an allegorical one, a journey of the soul. If this is the meaning that applies to you, now is the time to make that journey within. If you're already following your soul's path, this rune counsels you to keep on it. It also says um, that it indicates that you might be in two minds about something in a problematic situation, feeling that either course could turn out well. It is strong counsel against placing any faith in the words of others. Uh, and then Tier uh, the great rune of victory representing success in any competition the competitive spirit is embodied in this rune as in no other and the spirit will probably permeate your life for the duration of the reading this rune can indicate that you're about to take up a cause and have already done so it usually concerns the forces of fair play versus the forces of unjust oppression you're ready to fight for what you believe in no matter what the odds and depending on the other runes of course you will probably also succeed so I like that the runes suggest there that she is on this journey that she is um, kind of soul searching and also kind of stuck between deciding whether or not to stay with christian or not uh, or whether he is deciding to break up with her or not and also victory uh, which shows that she is going to overcome that another thing i found interesting and this was pointed out in a video that i watched which was like hidden symbols you may have missed in midsummer because I wanted to have a closer look at the runes that I may have missed but they said that Christian has the death rune embroidered on the tunic that he wears uh, for the latter part of the film oh uh, I don't know what the death rune is uh, they seemed to think that it was uh the one that looks like a man standing up with his arms in the air going yay aka eol and uh, they've called this the death rune which I don't think is accurate according to the books I've got, but they also didn't mention that it's upside down on his shirt. It's not like the right way up, which all the other ones that i would seen were. And the reverse meaning of it means a sign of vulnerability, of sacrifice with no personal gain. Usually this room reverse indicates that you are being deceived and misled by others. All of the forces you are expending are for their benefit and not your own. Often you'll be made the scapegoat for other people's failures. It also shows an offer which should be refused were a person to be avoided. If you must become involved with dubious individuals who will use you, be aware of the fact and try to turn the situation to your own advantage. And I think that's really funny because he was really, he was given the choice to, to sleep with Maya and he obviously agreed in that little section that we didn't see of him in Siv's little house. So he had every opportunity to just like, not do it but just like the various characters in the wicker man series he he just makes the wrong choices and presumably that's why they picked him uh, so that was really interesting i'd like to watch this again and like go through and have a proper look at all the runes because i'm sure there are lots more that i missed uh, those were just the three that i remembered sorry for my terrible butchering of their pronunciation and my terrible explanation of what their shapes are like but i do really like this movie i do definitely recommend giving it a watch uh, there's a lot of not necessarily witch stuff in there although there is that one like love spell element that's same amount of pagan content that there is in the wicker man movies maybe even more so because it is just longer and it goes more in depth about the various different rituals and also you've got the runes in there as well which are adding some extra pagan spice over the top of it and in general i feel like it has a much more beautiful message that's slightly more positive than the Wickerman films which is just like we're sacrificing you haha we win and we're evil this sort of is both horrifying and also really cathartic at the end which is quite an amazing feeling to be honest uh, i know that this is a, like the second film or like the film that came after hereditary which i'm also meaning to get a look at and which should arrive soon so stay close for that and i I have high hopes for that one now because this one was obviously so good so stay tuned for that and in the meantime get in touch on twitter or via email if you saw any of the other runes if you have other interpretations of them that would be really thrilling to hear and in the meantime i'll see you in the next one bye